0: Had a wonderful time at camp. It was just uh, fantastic. Uh, it's always good when you gather with the Lord's people and and just spend time in the Word and in fellowship and had some great times playing games and um, there was uh, we played this Jeopardy game and I would say the men blew the women away, but that's not true. Uh, one brother blew the women away. It's Frank Gomez. I don't know if y'all know Frank. Yeah. That guy is just. We found a lot about him. He's he has more shoes than his wife does, which is kind of unusual. But um, when it came to fashion and to romance, the guy was just he was he was blazing. He was just wonderful. So uh, he just he just by single-handedly came through. In in that right, he just single-handedly he was just wonderful. So uh, they put this picture of this woman up there, and they said, "Who is this?" It's an author. Jane Austen. The guy knew. The, who knew? Jane Austen. I mean, really, seriously. The guy knew. Anyway, we had a wonderful time. It was just a real blessing, and we enjoyed being up there, and just just a good number. It wasn't too big. It wasn't too small. What about 15 couples, 12, 15 couples, something like that, and just uh, it, was a, it was a wonderful time of fellowship. Um, I want to just quote a couple of quotes from Hudson Taylor. Before we start tonight, before we look at the scriptures tonight, this kind of has an opening. Um, and the whole thought tonight is just a recognition of how how weak you and I really are in ourselves. How insufficient, how incapable we are in our own abilities, our own strength, really to do anything. Anything at all. Not, not just anything for the Lord, but to do anything, we're incapable. So... Just these two quotes from Huston Taylor, one is very well known, the other one may not be quite as well known. The first one is, all of God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. That's just amazing. All of God's giants were weak men who did great things for God because they recognized that God was with them. And of course, the other quote, so famous: "Attempt great things for God, believe great things from God, and ask great things of God." Attempt great things for God, believe great things from God, and ask great things of God. What a what a wonderful thought. Um, sometimes, and we're going to look at tonight. Sometimes we, we, um, we're afraid. Maybe is the right term. Um, don't feel adequate uh, to take on certain tasks, to take on certain responsibilities. And um, we look at ourselves and we, we come up with excuses and reasons why we shouldn't do it. And uh, sometimes we uh, we forget that, that with God, well, we'll see, with God all things are possible. Isn't that true? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And just read the last few verses. they beginning at verse 25. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 25. I, I just... Th- th- these these first couple of chapters of 1 Corinthians are just so encouraging to me. And um, I, I don't know about you, but there's so many times when I do something or think about doing something and I just... I look at myself and think, who do you think you are trying to do this thing? Who do you think you are to think that you can, you can do this? And the Lord is so good. He says here in verse chapter 1 and verse 25, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in His presence. What a thought. Uh, God has purposefully... Chosen uh, weak vessels, earthen vessels, uh, chosen weak men and women, men and women that have no special skills or talents of their own, not, not many wives among us as far as the world's concerned not many uh, you know, PhDs among us. There are some, but not many. There's not many. There's not many people that are multimillionaires among us. There's a few, but there's not many. Uh, not many men of great renown and great fame. Not many men that are that are powerful as far as the world is concerned. There's a few, but there's not many. But God has chosen the weak and the foolish and the poor and the beggarly. Uh, the things of this world that, that are considered incapable, inadequate. And that the power of God might be, or that the power in the, in the work might be of God and not of men. That we might not rely on ourselves. And Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. He says, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. When, when I realize my own incapability, when I realize my own weakness, when I realize my own insufficiency, that's when I cast myself on the Lord and rely on Him. And it really is the truth. That's really the first thing that we have to realize in the work of the Lord, or really in anything, in regards to my family as a husband, as a father, in regards to the local assembly and leadership there as an elder or a deacon, or just someone who shares the Word of God. It's not me. It's the Lord. It's got to be Him. Uh, because if I try to do anything on my own strength, whether it's in the, the spiritual realm of my life or whether it's in the temporal, secular realm of my life, Uh, it's going to be a disaster. I mean, the first 20 years of my life was nothing but just one disaster after the other. I look back and there's nothing out of those first 20 years before I came to the Lord that have any value whatsoever. It was just all worthless. Absolutely worthless. And yet God takes a weak vessel like me and uses me for His glory. Takes a weak vessel like you and uses it for His glory. Sometimes, uh, Mike Atwood and I... Spend some time talking and praying, thinking about these things. And and one time we were just talking and saying, it is so fantastic that the Lord saved men like me and him. And the only people in our family that both of us were the only ones in our family that came to know the Lord. Uh, he his family is is gone now. I still have some brothers, a brother and two sisters, but but um, just to think that God would save us, but beyond that, that God would use us. That he would use us to bring glory to himself. That he would use us in some way, shape, fashion to be an encouragement and help to others. That he would use us to lead other people, other men and women to uh, understanding of the gospel and to faith in Jesus Christ. What, I mean, what a wonderful thing. What a, in these earthen vessels, you and I have the greatest treasure in all of eternity, in all the universe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The person of Christ. The spirit of God indwells us. And it's not the vessel that's important. It's what's inside the vessel that's important. Right? That's what has the importance. And so I want to look at just a few examples of of individuals that either consider themselves or others consider themselves incapable of doing anything. And, and just for time's sake, you know, I, I uh, told Roger, whatever time you give me, I'll take up. I don't want to take up a lot of time, I know. Uh, there's some guys that want to get home. I don't know why, but they. I think there's something on TV tonight that maybe some people want to see. Um, you know, one of the things they put up in this Jeopardy thing was Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Uh, I know y'all really like him a lot. Tom Brady, the the Patriot quarterback. You know, so my wife knew that because my wife cares nothing about National League Football League. Cares nothing about any team. She has two quarterbacks, Peyton Manning and him. So. Peyton, I guess Peyton Manning's playing tonight. I don't know whether he will or not, but we'll see. But anyway, I know some people want to go to that, so I won't take up a lot of time. But I'm just going to – these are so these are so familiar stories, so I'm just going to bring them out. Remember in Chapter 4 of Exodus when Moses comes up to that burning bush and uh, is not consumed with the fire, but a voice comes out of it and uh, speaks to Moses and tells Moses – that he wants, the Lord wants him to go and save his people. He wants to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go that they might worship me, that they might serve me out in the wilderness. And, and remember Moses' answer was, who am I? I, I, I can't speak. I, 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 I'm not a man who knows how to how to address somebody like Pharaoh. I mean, he lived in Pharaoh's court for 40 years, but he'd been on the backside of the desert. The Lord was humbling him for 40 years. And he said, I, I don't know how to speak. And was the Lord's response to him? Who made your mouth anyway? Who made your tongue anyway? Part of the reason that Moses was useful, part of the reason that Moses was able to do what he did was because the first time he tried to save the people, he tried to do it on his own strength and his own plan and his own ability, and that was a failure. But because God was able to do a great work in him over those 40 years in the wilderness... Um, and humble him, then he was meat for the master's use. And God didn't want him to say what he wanted to say. What God wanted him to be was a mouthpiece for the Lord. And you know, that's those of us who share the word of God or we share the gospel with people, that's what we've got to be. We've got to be just a mouthpiece for the Lord. We've got to take... The sharing of God's word, whether it's preaching the gospel to the unsaved, whether it's on an individual basis or in a larger group, whether it's sharing the word of God, again, privately or publicly, we've got to realize we're speaking forth as the oracles of God. And we've got to take it seriously. And we've got to pray that the spirit of God would say his what he wants to say to the people of God, simply using us as a vehicle, as a as a conduit uh, to, to minister the word to other people. And that's when we realize, I, I can't do it. Who am I? Who do I think I am? I mean, brother, there's so many times I get up in a Get Ready to Get Up the Platform, and I think, there are so many other brethren here that are so much more capable than me. What in the world am I doing? Who do I think I am getting up here in a platform in front of these guys, you know? And Lord, well, you know, you're up there, so you got to do it, you know? And I just, I mean, I get, I get literally sick to my stomach sometimes. I don't know if you all ever do that. But I, I get literally ill sometimes just... The burden of the whole thing, and uh, and you know what? As soon as I get in the platform, and I, I'm praying about praying, the Spirit of God would would speak through me, and the Lord just takes over, and it's just it's just fantastic. You know what the Lord does, and the glory goes to Him. You know, people come to me sometimes and say thanks for that. What do you think of me for? I mean, if, if the Lord gets the thanks, is His word. What what did I do? You know, you don't you don't come up to when a, when when somebody. When a, when a carpenter builds a house, you don't go up to his saw and to his hammer and say, Man, y'all did a wonderful job. That was fantastic. Man, this is wonderful. I love this house. Man, you guys are good. No, there's just instruments. Just dumb instruments. Can't do anything without the carpenter. Right? And that's the way we are, brethren. We're just instruments in the, in the Lord's hands. We just yield ourselves to Him and let Him use us in any way He pleases. And the glory goes to Him. The glory's got to go to him, brethren. David, <laughs> here was this young shepherd boy. And he comes out to bring some food to his brothers that are in the battlefield along with King Saul. And the Philistines are on the other side of the valley. And every day comes out this great giant of a man, Goliath, and curses the people of God and curses God. God. And David hears this and says, what's happening here? What's going on? Why why are you letting this guy get away with this? And they said, well, everybody's afraid to go out. He said, well, I'm not afraid to go out. Let me go. And what was the response to those, especially his brothers? You're too young. You're too young. Uh, Moses uh was had had no ability to speak it, and, and now the you're too young who do you think you are going out there and what was david's response <laughs> it's the lord that's going to do it <laughs> you know I, I fought against the bear and i fought against the 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 lion and the lord gave him into my hands and he's going to do the exact same thing with this philistine this uncircumcised philistine you watch the lord give him give me the victory and his trust wasn't in himself, and even Saul tried to give him his armor and his sword, and, and he couldn't. He said, I haven't I haven't proved these things. This this isn't what I need. I'm gonna go out there trusting the Lord. And he went out against that giant of a man with all of his armor and all of his, his massive sword and his shield in front of him. And he threw that stone and knocked him out and then took his own sword and cut off his head. And his trust was in the Lord and not in himself. You're not too young, right? To do the Lord's work. Some people say, Well, you know, you're too young. When well, my kids when when they were small, we'd go out and preach on the street, and here they were, you know, eight, nine, seven years old, and uh hand out gospel tracts, you know? And I saw I remember Elizabeth, the older one, more than once talking to people on the street about the gospel. Who says they're too young? You know? <laughs> they know the Lord, they're not too young. We need to encourage the young people, encourage the young men, you know, have a vision for the future. But no, David was too young, too weak. Gideon, another guy. Here he is. The Midianites are there, the massive army around him. And uh, here he is there in the wine press or behind the wine press just with a little bit of grain, kind of beating it out, just have a little bit of food to eat. And God calls him the mighty man of valor. He didn't look around. Who in the world are you talking to? Who am I? I'm the smallest in the smallest family of the smallest tribe in all of Israel. Who am I? What can I possibly do? And the Lord said that I'm going to use you to free my people from the Midianites. Well, how am I going to do that? So he calls the army. Massive army comes. Well, maybe. That's my possibility. There's still a lot more than us. Wait a minute. God says there's too many. He finally whittles it down to 300. 300 men. And they look at the Midianites, and they fill the valley it's like grasshoppers that fill the field. Just massive number, innumerable army of the Midianites. And, and he's still a little bit concerned. And so he sneaks down at night, and he hears the, the, the talk in the, in the camp. And, and the Lord encourages him, saying that he saw this vision of Gideon. Rolling down and destroying the, the Midianite army. You remember what they did? This is so they, they didn't have a, they didn't have swords. The, the 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 Israelites didn't even have swords. What are they going to fight with? They got a trumpet in one hand and a clay vessel in the other hand with a lamp in it. Okay, you remember what happened? They broke the lamp. They broke the vessel. And as soon as they broke the vessel, the brightness of the light shone out, and they blew the trumpet and said, For God and for the Lord and for Gideon. And the Midianites killed themselves. I mean, they started killing themselves. And then they went in and wiped up afterwards. Now, this is a beautiful thing. When you think about here's this earthen vessel. You look at it, nothing of it. Nothing, nothing the Midianites could see. There was no, nothing that would bring fear to the Midianites' heart. But as soon as they broke that earthen vessel, and the glorious light shone forth, Then the Midianites were filled with fear. And, brother, we got the glorious light of the Lord Jesus Christ in every one of us. And sometimes we, we allow our earthen vessel to get in the way. And what we've got to do is just be broken before the Lord. We've got to be humble and contrite before him and say, Lord, I can't do it. Let your light shine out. He says, you're the light of the world. He, he's the real light of the world. We're a reflection of that light. He's the effulgence of God, the outshining of God. But we're the reflection of that light. And we're the light of the world and to shine forth and not to be put under a bed or put under a bushel and kind of be hidden away. No, we to come out and allow people to see our lives. And, but, of course, our lives have to be in keeping with the, the truths of God's word, keeping with the, with the character of Christ to really be able to shine. But break that earthen vessel, be broken before the Lord, humble and contrite before him, and then God can do great things. God can do great things. Um, here was, here he gave no reputation, no authority, no power on his own, of the weakest family, of the weakest tribe, and yet God took this weak man and made him a great leader among the people of God and freed them from the Midianites. Uh, Peter, in Luke chapter 5... Uh, the Lord comes, and uh, he's there on the, the banks of the Sea of Galilee. The people are coming. They're, they're pressing against him. He asked Peter, because Peter had been fishing all night long with these gigantic nets. They always fish at night because the, the the ropes on the nets were so large they couldn't use them in the daytime. Uh, or the fish would have seen them. So they're fishing all night long. They're cleaning their nets. They're getting the, the, the um, seaweed and things out of them. Getting prepared for the next night. Going to go home. Tired, worn out. And the Lord says... Let me sit in your let me stay in your boat, put it out a little ways. so he goes out and the Lord preaches from the from the boat of of Peter. then he tells Peter, uh go back out and throw the nets over the side, and Peter's like, you know he he got to be worn out, lord, you know we we fished all night long, we didn't catch anything but but because you tell us to we'll go out and throw out a, a net, you know the nets we're not going to throw without one net just to, just to show you that you know we know what we're doing here. And he goes out and throws out the net. And remember, it almost breaks. It not only fills one boat, but it fills two boats. And Peter comes back in and falls down at the feet of the Lord Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. What are you going to do with me? You don't don't really know me. You don't really know my life. I'm a sinful, wicked man. What are you going to do with this sinner? And some of us think, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I, I, I'm, too, I'm too bad. How can God use me? Huh. God has chosen the vile things, the, 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 the sinful things of this world. That's who he saved so that he might show the great power of the gospel, so he might show the great power of redemption in our lives. And the most vile, wicked sinner that ever lived was the greatest gospel preacher that ever lived, apart from the Lord Jesus. He was the greatest teacher that ever lived apart from the Lord Jesus. He was the most, one of the most godly men that ever lived. But God did that work in him because Paul allowed himself to be used of the Lord in that way. So Peter said, I'm too sinful. So Moses had no ability to speak. David was too young. Gideon had no reputation or authority. Peter was too sinful. Uh, Abraham, 100 years old, 99 years old. And the Lord said to him, you're going to become the father, not of just one son, but of many nations. And Sarah, when she heard that, just laughed. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm 89 years old. He's 99 years old. What's good? I'm going to give birth and I'm going, to, I'm going to have a son at this old age? No way. We're too old. But you know what? It was because they were too old that God was able to manifest his great power. And he said to her, <laughs> uh, with men it's, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. There's, there's nothing God can't do. Nothing God can't accomplish. And so he was able out of those two dead bodies to raise up a, a boy That he was able to, through that boy, make offspring to Abraham like the stars of the sky and like the sand of the sea. He's not too old. He thought he was, but he wasn't. Timothy, uh, just by his name, you know, his reputation, he was too timid. He was shy. Uh, You know, I'm really shy. People think I'm a real expert, but I'm really not. I'm I'm, I'm the kind of person that I have to force myself to talk to people I don't know, and uh, Timothy, Timothy was that way. He was shy, and yet Paul would say of him, "I've got no man that's like-minded. I've got no man that I can trust like I trust Timothy. I've got no man that labored with me like Timothy labored." And God used that young man to not only accompany Paul on his second j- journey, but but on beyond that to be used of Paul, of used of the Lord by uh, Paul sent him. To places place like Ephesus and other places to build up the saints. It's, it's not my character. I can't say, well, that's not my character. That's not, that's not who I am. I'm too timid. I'm too shy. Let other people go out and do those kinds of things. Let other people go down on the beach and, and talk to the people down there. I'm too timid. I'm too shy. I can't go down there and do that. Let other people you know, come to the barbecue and talk to these people. I'm too shy. You know, that's, that's we use those excuses, don't we? Brethren, that's what we need is people that think they're too timid and too shy. We don't need people that that are so you know dependent upon their own abilities and their own charisma and their own you know uh, um, natural graces you know beauty and hands. That's not what we need. We need men and women that are broken before the Lord that the Lord can use, meat for His use. Amos was a herdman of Tekoa. He was a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And when he's criticized, they say, who do you think you're not one of the prophets? Who who, made, who gave you these words to say? Who do you think you are making these pronouncements? And he had to say, I, I'm nobody. I, I'm nothing. I was just out there taking care of my sheep, out there gathering up the sycamore fruit, and God came to me and gave me this word. Not, not, it's not my word. It's not my thoughts. It's not my. What I, what I want to tell the people is what God wants to communicate to people through someone who's just Just a common worker. You know, I know people that say, well, I never went to Bible school. You know, I I don't have this education. I I never went through a disciple program or anything like that. What am I going to do? (laughs) brother?" it's not programs or schools or seminaries. That's not what's going to equip us. It's the power of the Spirit of God that's going to equip us. Not that he could use those things. I'm not saying he didn't use some of those things sometimes, but but it's him that's going to equip us. Don't use that excuse to say I can't do anything just because I haven't got that kind of training or education. In uh, Judges chapter four, the woman who killed Sisera, remember Sisera was the the mighty uh, leader of the army that attacked and and Deborah was the judge because it was such a low point in Israel's history that there wasn't even men that would stand up and take leadership. And she would go to Barak and say, Barak, uh, you're going to go. God's going to equip you to, to go and, and defeat Sisera and his army. And he's like, I'm not going to go unless you go with me. She said, fine, I'll go with you. But the glory's going to go to a woman. The weaker vessel. And here was Barak and this mighty man of, of valor, this this mighty man with his army. They couldn't kill Sisera. But this woman brings him into the tent. He asks for a little water. She gives a little milk. puts that little cover over him. He goes to sleep and takes a tent bay. Boom. Right in his head and kills him. Hmm. The weak things of this world is what God uses. One last illustration. The woman uh, in Judges chapter 9 who killed Abimelech. Here's Abimelech. I mean, here he was. He destroyed all of his brothers. He was the, he was the son of a concubine of, of Gideon. And uh, he kills all of his brothers. He, he goes in and, and just takes control makes himself the king, makes himself the leader. And everybody's fearing him. And, and he comes and, and in Milo, and he, and he destroys all the city. And they get up into, everybody's so afraid, they get into this tower, shaking in their boots, because here's this great Abimelech, and he comes near, and this woman, didn't give her a name, throws out this stone, millstone, and drops it on his head and kills him. Everybody else is afraid. But she trusted the Lord. And the Lord did a great thing and brought peace to the people of Israel. All these had faith in God. They had faith in Him and in His power to do what, humanly speaking, was impossible. There's no faith needed. There's no glory to God when we do things in our own ability, our own strength. When we do things that are, humanly speaking normal and natural. Faith only comes in when man's ability, where man's ability ends. That's where faith comes. That's where confidence in God comes. When I come to the end of myself, when I come to the end of my own abilities, when I I recognize my own weaknesses, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too sinful, I don't have the preparation, I don't have the education, I don't have the... Whatever it might be, whatever excuse we might have, God says... None of those excuses are valid because it's not you anyway. It's me. It's me. In fact, I'm glad you recognize that because if you recognize that, now I can use you. Now you can uh, be uh, do a great do the work that I want you to do. I think a uh, uh, Daniel. Here was this young guy. All the other young men, except Ananias, Mishael, and Azariah. Uh, we're going along with the crowd, eating the king's food, drinking the wine, having a good time, you know, getting fat and silly over the whole thing. And here he was and said, we're not going to do that. Uh, I'm not going to do it. And the three young men that were with him, we're not going to do that. We're not going to eat this food that's been, that first of all, seemingly it wasn't food according to the law. and It was food that possibly offered to the idols of the, of the uh, Babylonians. We're not going to do that. Just give us a little bit of, of purée. Is that how you say it in English? Um, we call it in Spanish purée. I don't know what you call it in English. The vegetables, you know, ground, you know, mashed up vegetables. or I don't know what you call it. Anyway, it's kind of like soup, you know? Kind of like pea soup. I don't know what it is. We, we call it that purée. Anyway, um, ask my wife later. She'll tell you what it is. Anyway, um, just give us some of that and some water to drink. And Lord honored that. And it said he lived all the way until the reign of Cyrus. And you see his influence with Nebuchadnezzar. You see his influence with with Darius. And you see his influence even with Cyrus. Even to the point that Cyrus makes this great proclamation and gives the people permission to return. Whoever wants to return, to go back to Jerusalem rebuild the temple. I'll even give you the resources that you need to rebuild it. And it was all because of one man and the influence of one man. What a a beautiful thing. You know, sometimes we think, well, I can't go door to door because I'm all by myself. I was talking to a young guy down in Texas one time. He said, Mark, I try to go out with other people. Nobody wants to go door to door with me. I said, praise the Lord, brother. You've got somebody to go door to door with you. He said, who's that? I said, the Lord's going to go door to door -door with you. Knock on those doors, brother. Don't let that discourage you. Don't let that discourage you, brother, because that's what Satan wants to do. Discouragement comes from Satan. Encouragement always comes from the Lord. If you're discouraged, brother or sister, you've got to know that comes from, the, that comes from Satan. God never discourages us. He always encourages us. Right? That, that's what happens when we, when we look at ourselves and look at our own weaknesses, look at our own, our own failures, look at our own, our own abilities, and we say we can't do it. No, brethren, the Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The gates of hell shall not prevail. My church shall prevail. My people shall prevail. I'm here. And that's why Paul could say, when I recognize my own weakness, that's when, that's when I'm strong. There's nothing impossible for the Lord. Um, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13 says this. Paul's talking about he knows how how to be a base and how to abound, how to... How to uh, have a lot and how to have little. But in the end of it all, in verse 13, this is what he says. Wonderful verse. Yeah, really a verse that we could, could memorize and just have as a, I don't know, as a verse of encouragement when we get down and depressed like that. It says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. What, what a thought. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. All of God's giants were weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned God being with them. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, Just, I want to tell a little story and then I'm going to close with a quote from from Brother McIntosh. There was a, this guy who uh, was a servant and um, uh, he would have the responsibility every morning of going down to the river and getting pots Filled with with water, and uh, he had a pole that he put these two pots, one on each end, and he would fill them with water, and then he would put the pole and the pots on the ends, and he would walk up the hill back to the master's house and deliver the water there. And um, one of these pots had a crack in it, and um, so this pot um, said to the servant, "He said, um, you know, pots don't talk, but." Okay, for the illustration. All right, let me go. Okay? So the pot says to the servant, he said, I, I feel really bad. He said, uh, you do all this work. You go down this distance, down the river. You you fill me up with water every day along with the other one. He brings a full pot back, and I just bring, you know, a portion of a pot because I've got this crack. And part of the water falls out as, as you're going back up the hill. He said, I, I, I feel terrible. I just, you know, I'm useless. You know, you might as well get a different pot because... You know I'm not doing the job that I'm supposed to be doing, and the servant said, "Yeah, I, I, I yeah. I'll tell you what. When we come back up the hill this time, I want you to look at the path. Look at the look at the side of the path. So they go down and get, he fills them up with water, and they go up the hill. And as he he goes up the path, he looks down there, and there's beautiful wildflowers that are growing, or flowers that are growing all along the path. And um, so he gets to the top of the hill and. The servant said, did you, did you see what was on the path? He said, yeah, they're pretty flowers. They're really nice. And they're, thank you. I, I didn't realize you did that to cheer me up. But he said, I still feel horrible. I still feel bad. And he said, no. He said, listen, I knew all this time that you had a crack in you. And he said, because of that, I planted flower seeds all along the path. And every day you've watered those flower seeds. And those flowers have grown up. And every day I gather some of those flowers and, and grace my master's table with them. And uh, you've been a blessing to him, and, and and the moral of the story is we're all cracked pots, right? We're all we're all flawed. We we all have things about us that are we're not perfect, right? We're not perfect. I'm not perfect, Angie. I know you think I am, but I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. But but we have flaws. But you know what God does? He takes those flaws in us, and He uses them for our, His glory. He uses them to bring pleasure to himself. He uses them to accomplish things that maybe we don't even realize this side of glory, brethren. We don't even realize. And someday when we stand before him, we're going to be amazed at the things that he did through us that we had no clue about while we were here. See, it says this, The life of faith is to walk with God. The life of faith is to walk with God, to cling to him, to lean on him, to draw from his exhaustless springs, to find all our resources in him and a satisfying uh, and, and the satisfying object of our hearts is to know him as our only resource in all difficulties and in all trials. It is to be absolutely Completely and continually shut up to Him, to be undividedly dependent upon Him, apart from and above every human hope and every earthly expectation. That's what faith is—just trusting God, just saying, "Here I am. I, I know there's things about me that that uh, isn't perfect. I know there's things about me, there's flaws about me. But Lord, here's my life. It's a living sacrifice. I give it to You." And God's able to take from these, these imperfect lives and is able to do a perfect work to the glory and praise of his name. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That God uses us. And I just, it's just so amazing, brethren, when you think that we were created for the glory of God, we were saved for the glory, for the good pleasure of God, and that God out of men and women like you and me can get glory. Can get glory. And, and glory is simply the, the expression, the, the manifestation of the, 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 the character, uh, the person, the power, the majesty of God. People can see those things. What does it say? The heavens declare His glory, right? The heavens are His handiwork. They declare the glory. But brethren, you and I huh, are used by God to bring glory to His name. What a thought. What a thought. But it's all of him. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. So brethren, we're weak earthen vessels, but praise God. Praise God that he does things through us that are impossible for man, but possible for him. Our Father and our God in heaven, how wonderful it is to think. That you loved us so much that when we were sinners, when we were enemies apart from you, without you, without hope in the world, without any kind of relationship, desire for you whatsoever, you loved us. And you loved us not just in word, you loved us in the greatest manifestation, the greatest action that love ever accomplished in all of eternity. You sent Your Son to die for us. You sent Your Son to bear our sins in His body. You sent Your Son to take away our sin and to cleanse us and to make us whole, uh, to make us fit for Your presence, uh, accepted in Him, clothed in His righteousness. And then, Father, You didn't just stop there. You determined in eternity past that we would all be Your sons, and we would all be heirs. But beyond that, we would all be useful to You. We'd all be, although earthen vessels, uh, entrusted with a great treasure, the treasure of the gospel, of the person of Christ, of the spirit of God that indwells us. He's that light that shines forth. And, Father, what we want is to be like those earthen vessels in the day of Gideon. We want to be broken before you that the light of Christ might shine out. We want our lives to be weak in ourselves but strong in him. We want him to be the one who empowers us to do all things. And we want Everything we do in the guidance and in the direction and the power of the Spirit to be for the praise and glory of your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you for using us. Thank you for um, leading men and women to the Lord Jesus Christ through us. Thank you for encouraging the saints through us. Thank you for instructing and training up uh, others through us. Thank you for all the great work that you do, Father. We just are amazed at you and what you've done in us and what you're doing through us. We ask that you continue to do so. And it all be for the praise and the glory of your dear Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you all so much.